Bravo Fox Pop, leveling On this week's episode of Skies and Beyond Radio, we look over interesting commercial and military call signs, the difference between full manual, aperture and shutter priority modes, and of course, your questions and answers. Hey everyone, Luke over at Skies and Beyond Radio, and welcome back to yet another week of continued rants. Just kidding, it's not rants. I promise not to go off too much on Southwest Airlines and their operations, but I will say... I have seen more and more on social media outlets like Instagram and Twitter the Desert Gold livery on the new Max, and I do have to say, I'm still not impressed. Sorry, I just I just can't get used to it. But we're gonna skip right over that, and uh, we'll go right into our main topic of this week's podcast, and that's commercial and military call signs, and more so some of the interesting ones that are out there, and some of the ones that may have vanished from our radio frequencies. As most of you may know, every commercial airline in the world holds a call sign used while in operations to identify themselves to controllers. Some of these call signs are relatively pretty self-explanatory, while others may have some cool backstories uh, based on their history. And we'll kick it off right at the top with AirTran Airways. AirTran Airways, which was at one point an American low-cost airline that was originally headquartered in Orlando, Florida, uh, they ceased operations following its acquisition by Southwest Airlines. But before then, AirTran Airways used the Florida Orange Grove-inspired call sign of Citrus. Sadly, Citrus disappeared from the airwaves when Southwest Airlines finalized its acquisition of AirTran. At number 9, we have Transstate Airlines. Transstate Airlines was a regional airline owned by Transstate's Holdings and headquartered in Bridgeton, Missouri. At the time of its closing, the airline operated flights for United Airlines under the United Express brand, and in 2020, the airline ceased all operations. The call sign Waterski originated in the early 1980s. Transstates, then called Resort Air, flew passengers to Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri. The area, of course, is noted for its recreation, especially for water skiing, hence the term water ski. At number eight, we have China Airlines. For many plane spotters, including myself, uh, you can't miss this beautiful plum blossom that adorns the China Airlines vertical stabilizers. The call sign of Dynasty stands out as well. Based in Taipei, Dynasty flights can be seen and heard at over 90 cities around the world. At number seven, we have Jazz Aviation LP. Several Canadian carriers all have some pretty cool call signs, such as Rogue, Flare, and even Bearskin. But none are quite as cool, in my personal opinion, as a simple jazz call sign. What's cooler than cool jazz, anyways? Jazz Aviation is Canada's second largest airline in terms of fleet size. They operate under the brand name of Air Canada Express, and their aircraft are all painted with the unmistakable jazz logo. At number six, we have the former U.S. Airways call sign of Cactus. One of the coolest ones, I think. Uh, the Cactus call sign originated with America West Airlines. Early in its history, the airline used the call sign America West, but it was often confused with other airlines ending in West, hence 
Southwest, Northwest, and Skywest. The FAA suggested that America West come up with a new call sign. So the company held an employee contest pretty much to come up with a new name and Cactus was chosen. America West was based in Phoenix, Arizona near the Sonora Desert, home of the giant saguaro cactus. In 2006, America West merged with U.S. Airways, and the Cactus call sign survived the merger, and all U.S. Airways flights were soon known as Cactus on the radio. Sadly, when the U.S. Airways merged with American Airlines, the Cactus call sign was then retired. At number five, we have Virgin America. Virgin America was based in the San Francisco Bay Area, in the airline's proximity to the famous California Redwood Forest, and its red logo made Redwood the perfect call sign. Virgin America flew to over 20 destinations in the U.S. and Mexico and earned a reputation for high-quality service. On January 11, 2018, Virgin America began, be, began operating under the Alaska Airlines Carrier Operating Certificate. So long, Redwood. We'll miss hearing you on the radio, but it was fun while it lasted. At number four, Dragon Air. If you listen to aircraft frequencies over in Asia, you're bound to hear f- a flying dragon. Hong Kong-based Dragon Air became, began operations in 1985 and is a wholly owned subsidiary of Cathay Pacific Airlines. Dragon Air flies to 13 countries across Asia. Asia. Its all-Airbus fleet of A320s, A321s, and A330s are adorned with a mythical red dragon from Chinese folklore. At number three, Aer Lingus. Aer Lingus, the national flag carrier of Ireland, is known worldwide on the radio waves as Shamrock. Since the early 1960s, the carrier has featured a three-leaf clover shamrock on the tails and now winglets of its aircraft. The shamrock call sign is a perfect fit, and Aer Lingus flies to over 80 destinations around the world, and it continues to grow. Coming in at number two is, of course, British Airways. Now, of course, this is just my personal opinion list. In the 1940s, the British Overseas Airways Corporation used the name of its logo, the Speedbird, as a call sign. In the early 1970s, the British Overseas Airways Corporation became British Airways. Through a merger and continued to use the Speedbird call sign. The call sign was especially appropriate when used by the supersonic Concorde. When Speedbird Concorde 1 was heard on the radio, you knew something really special was in the air. And then, of course, coming to my personal favorite call sign, and lastly, is Republic Airlines. Republic Airlines is an Indianapolis based carrier that flies routes as American Eagle, U.S. Airways Express, and United Express. The airline takes its call sign from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, home of the Indy 500 race. In 1909, when the speedway was paved with 3 million bricks, locals nicknamed it Brickyard. With over 130 aircraft in service, the Republic Airlines Brickyard call sign can be heard from coast to coast. Some other cool call signs that didn't quite make the list are Glacier for Central Mountain Air. Based in Smithers, British Columbia, Central Mountain Air provides scheduled and charter flights for over 18 British Columbia and Alberta communities. They're a busier carrier operating Dornier 328s, Dash 8 300s, and of course the Beach 1900 aircraft. Glacier, in my personal opinion, is definitely a cool call sign for a Canadian carrier. The former Nuke Scoot low-cost airline based in Bangkok, Thailand, carried the interesting yet funny call sign of Big Bird. The carrier was a joint venture of Thailand's Nuke Air and Scoot of Singapore. 
Nuke Scoot's call sign of Big Bird was an easy choice. The airline's fleet of Boeing 777-200ER aircraft are adorned with a smiling orange bird beak on the nose. And lastly, Jet Story, previously named Blue Jet and Jet Service, is a business aircraft management and charter company based in Poland. Jet Story currently charters 13 very, very, very nice business jets and flies to five continents. Most importantly, Jet Story has one amazing call sign, Jedi. With the rebirth and excitement of Star Wars franchise, what's not to love about a high-flying Jedi in the sky? I hope these call signs brought some smiles to your faces, as well as memories of past experiences. As we move right along, let's take a slight detour and go back to the plane spotting community and look at differences in camera modes used while taking photos. So back to the plane spotting aspect of the podcast. When I take photos at my local airports and airports abroad, um, I use three major modes to shoot with. Uh, these major modes are aperture priority, full manual, and shutter priority mode. So the one I personally like to shoot with the most, and I shoot with probably about 90% of the time, is aperture priority mode. In aperture priority mode, pretty much the only thing you're controlling is your ISO. You're setting that ahead of time. Uh, you're setting your f-stop ahead of time. That just determines your depth of field, and the shutter is pretty much calculated automatically based on the light that's coming in uh, to your camera. If you don't have the greatest lighting conditions, you can go to shutter priority mode. And shutter priority mode kind of is almost like aperture priority mode. However, so the ISO is set by yourself. The f-stop is set by yourself, or excuse me, not set by yourself. And the only thing you actually have to set is the shutter. Now, the shutter priority mode is one of those modes where it's really good for uh, working on your pan shots. If you're trying to pan, capture the aircraft in frame, but have the background blurry. Um, it's one of, you know, it's, it, it's really good, but it's also one of those modes that take a lot of practice as well. It's really good for low level, uh, excuse me, low lighting conditions. But in all reality, I, I shoot with when there's, you know, good lighting, like the sun's behind my back. Maybe it's just one of those picky things that I have, but I'll usually stick to aperture priority mode. Shutter priority mode, I'm still working on. It's one of those, you know, how much do I really like doing pan shots, but nevertheless. Um, and of course, the last one is full manual. Full manual is, it's one of those ones that just, it's tough. So full manual, you're pretty much controlling all aspects of the camera. My recommendation more so is to really, really learn and try to understand your camera to the best of its ability. If you're in like a full manual mode, it, it's one of those modes that a lot of things can go wrong. Um, you can have the shutter maybe won't be as, as fast as you wanted it. Your ISO could be set wrong. So you, your exposure compensation could be set wrong. And there's just a lot of things that could go wrong. Um, I personally only use full manual mode when I'm doing night shots, long exposures where I can set everything uh, to a, uh, keep the shutter open as long as I want. Um, it, it's just one of those things. I wouldn't recommend it right off the top, but I would say that you know it's it's very it's very difficult mode to shoot in. So if you're a, kind of like an entry level photographer, I wouldn't suggest going full manual first. Maybe aperture priority or shutter priority may be a better route for you. So those are like the three major modes that I shoot in. Um, there's a lot of guys that shoot in different types of modes and I, I never would recommend automatic. I think that's just one of those things. Automatic's good for 
I don't actually know what automatic is good for, but you can use a lot of uh, the other modes um, to your, uh, for any, pretty much any of your photos. Um, moving right along, I, I, like I said, somebody had asked me, you know, is there one mode that's better than the other? And in all reality, there's really not. I mean, I always tell people the camera is only as good as the photographer. You can have a really, really expensive camera, but if the photographer doesn't know how to use it appropriately, uh, or excuse me, properly, then your photos just aren't going to come out as good as they should. So it's kind of one of those things where you have to ask yourself what mode is more comfortable for me. Try all three. See what you like the best. I will always recommend aperture priority mode. But other than that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, test each one out, feel it out, see what you what works best for you, and then kind of stick with that. And even though this is kind of one of those short podcasts, I've just been really busy at work and I haven't had a lot of time to go over a podcast. I was kind of thinking about the call signs and I kind of just ran out of time this week, but we will be wrapping up with your Q&As and I have a lot of them and I'm going to try to get to all of them as best I can. Uh, but dbish1655 on Instagram asks, what is your favorite airline? I don't really have a favorite airline. I don't know if that's in regards to flying an airline or um, taking photos of an airline, like a specific livery. Uh, if I say top two airlines to fly in the States would just be happen to be Delta Airlines and JetBlue. Those are my two top favorite airlines. Um, I could tell you the other ones that I don't like, but we won't go into that. Uh, Henry likes BMWs. Um, he asks, what is your favorite airplane, the 777 or the A350? I have to say in this one, I, I've been looking at the 777, the X, um, but the I'm going to say the A350. The A350, and Captain Chris will probably 100% agree with me on this, is so sleek looking. I mean, it's just a beautiful looking aircraft. The interior is stunning, and the flight deck is just something kind of like right out of Star Trek. It's just unbelievable. So I would definitely say the A350. Uh, KMHT Photography asked, best beginner used photography camera for under $600? That's a tough one. So I guess, you know, you can kind of look at different cameras. I had a podcast all about choosing the right camera. It's just really on... Honestly, I would just buy a camera that was under $600 and go for it. I mean, at that point, you're just looking at a camera to take pictures when you're going above the $600 threshold and going to a little bit more of a mid, mid-grade mid camera, you're going to be spending more money. So if, if $600 is all you really have to spend, then that's 100% fine. Just, you know, buy a camera. If you can buy a camera for 400 bucks, then you can save a couple hundred dollars. Uh, start out with that and just go from there. Um, somebody asked, I think, oh, excuse me, Ilian uh, underscore YD asked, what was, uh, what's my favorite, Boeing or Airbus? Oh, uh, I just, I'm going to say Airbus. That's, an, uh, that's not really even like a no brainer for me. I, I, I love Boeing. It's a, it's tough. It's a toss up. It's one of those, you know, do you like this more than that? I don't know. I, I personally like Airbus. I think they're just, a, they're cooler looking. They're a lot more comfortable to fly as well. Um, KMSN Plane Spotter said related to unique airline call signs, weird airline flight numbers, nine thousand for charters, eight thousand for ferry flights, etc. I don't know as much about this. I have to do some reading on it. However, I I will bring up some military call signs since I didn't bring it up in the past. But there are 
Military call signs are really, really cool. Probably a whole different podcast to talk to about them. But somebody had sent me a really interesting Twitter thread that I will talk to you about. And that's, of course, the E4B uh, call sign. It always changes. And for a lot of the times, um, they use a lot of movie references. Uh, let's see. I want to take a look at a couple of them. Oh, here we go. Uh, the E4B call sign. This is from throughout the year. Uh, let's see. They had Chunk 85. If anyone ever saw the Goonies, um, that was one of them. McFly 85. That was a reference to Marty McFly from the 1985 film Back to the Future. Uh, let's see. Keep going. Ah, especially for Halloween, Kruger 84. And that's, of course, in reference to the Freddy Krueger from the 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, there's a bunch of other different ones as well. Back to the Back to the Future thing. Uh, the E4B used the call sign Biff85. Uh, Bueller was also used. Uh, I think it was Bueller86. Let's see. There was another one. And maybe a little bit not as old of a call sign, but Doug99. It was the possible reference to the 1999 film Doug's first movie. Uh, so there's like a bunch of different ones. Uh, Mr. Miyagi made an appearance on the E4B for Miyagi84. Um, let's see. <laughs> There's just a couple great ones that they had. Uh, let's see. There was another Halloween-based one as well. Where Oh, yeah, here we go. The uh, From the movie Halloween, uh, Myers 99. That was another interesting call sign. There's a lot of, like I said, interesting call signs out there, especially for military. Uh, it's tough to go through them all, but that's just a little two cents since I didn't really know about the 9,000 flights for charters and 8,000 for ferry flights. Uh, let's see, somebody wrote, oh, Nolan for Wilson wrote, Spirit should be called Banana or something instead of Spirit Wings. I 100% agree, Spirit Airlines. It, Spirit Wings, I get it. Um, there's some interesting facts about Spirit Airlines that I know. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. Banana. So Banana 95 heading from Manchester to Fort Lauderdale, that would be pretty cool. Um Another person asked, what is your favorite airplane or airline? Once again, I uh, airlines are tough to say. I mean, airplane, uh, aircraft-wise, I don't really know if I have a favorite, favorite. I, and the Beluga is my favorite, but I've only seen it once. Uh, listen back to the last podcast for that one. Um, but it's, it's tough. I really I like them all. It's really hard to kind of tell or kind of pick one that's my favorite. Um, I did talk about the water ski call sign for Tail Draga. Um, so that was back in the call sign section of this podcast. Uh, let's see. Uh, really tough, but Dream Airport Systems, Z- um, Zach over in ZS Aviation, he uh, asked a really tough, but Dream Airport to spend one hour at, just one specific hour. Um, and that would 100% be Anchorage. I've never spotted at Anchorage, but it's one of those airports that I 100% would do anything to spot at. Hopefully it's on my uh, it's on my dream list, but hopefully I'll get to it before. Uh, I don't know if I'll get there before the year's out or the next year's out, but yeah, we'll see. We never know. Um, uh, he also mentioned I can't help but notice that you've come up to peas uh, recently with more with less than ideal conditions. Uh, yes, I have been to the Portsmouth Airport uh, more recently. Uh, I will say it's. Probably because Portsmouth got some really cool stuff lately. The Beluga came in. The IL-76 came in. Those shots came out really, really good. So, yeah, I've been going to Portsmouth a lot more lately. And I 
you know, we can have this conversation about what's better, Manchester or Portsmouth or Boston, and all in, in all reality, they're all airports. They all have really cool stuff that comes in. Some have cooler stuff that comes in more often than the other airports. Um, but yeah, I have been going to Portsmouth a lot more lately. Uh, so that's on that. Uh, I think another the last question is from KMHT Aviation. Where are you traveling next to go spotting? And that actually is a good one. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, I will be traveling to South Florida to do some more spotting, waiting for the time change to happen. Right now, uh, I have three days scheduled. Uh, I mean, the weather can change drastically at any moment. One day has thunderstorms. The next day is pretty nice. And the last day is iffy as well. Keeping an eye on it. I mean, if all days kind of go really, really bad, I can just cancel the trip. But at the same time, I do have a trip planned in November, in a couple weeks actually. And I'll be in Florida for just about three days. I'll be working out, doing some photography at Fort Lauderdale, Miami. Might go to a couple smaller airports as well. But that's pretty much all the Q&As we have. So this wraps up yet another week of Skies and Beyond Radio. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. And if you liked it, make sure to rate it on your podcast service as well as pass it along to your friends. I hope you all have a great week, and until next time, happy spotting. Bravo Fox Pop leveling 16000. Nine eight six. And do you want us to go direct direct now or just uh, on that heading? Okay.